The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. Uh, good day, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode in the Print Files podcast series, Smarter Business, from Print21, the people who know print. Today, we're going to be looking at business growth through acquisition, valuing a business, how much should you pay or be prepared to sell for, and exit planning, how do you prep your business to maximize your return? I'm delighted to be joined by Richard Rasmussen, well known to many of you. Richard's worked in the printing industry for 40 years, first half of that time with Heidelberg in sales, product, and marketing roles, the second half in private practice as director of Ascent Partners, a business focused on offering professional business services to the print industry. As an industry specialist, Richard has completed more than 200 business appraisals, evaluations, approaching 100 business sales and acquisition transactions, and worked as a business consultant with numerous printers and suppliers in the industry. Richard also publishes Market Watch, an industry-specific newsletter focused on reporting the industry's mergers and acquisitions, major equipment sales, and summarizing his classified machinery for sale. Welcome, Richard. Thanks very much, Wayne, and it's uh, great to be here, and uh, I Look forward to the podcast. Um, never been on one of those before, so it should be fun. Okay, great. Well, they're pretty good. Um, and we're very happy to have you and your uh, 40 years worth of interesting knowledge along, Richard. It's terrific for all of, all of our listeners. Um, first of all, maybe we can start off by looking at growth through acquisition. Uh, many print businesses have done this. It's a successful tried and tested method. Uh, we think of IVE, we think of Southern Impact, uh, but then others have been less successful in their acquisition programs and uh, hasn't always worked out. Let's start maybe talking about why should a print business, why should a print business owner consider growth through acquisition? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, growth by acquisition is not really for everybody. Um, people who have got a business that's um, perhaps not on a stable footing, for example, shouldn't be looking at being able to do it. But as you say, there's been a lot of businesses that have been highly successful in being able to grow. Um, you mentioned before about um, Southern Colour, uh, you know, just bought Peak Digital and that sort of thing. Uh, they also bought, about a year ago, they bought Brewster IMC. But I think it's a, a, a good opportunity for people, especially if they're in a market which has um, experienced a sales decline, that it's a, a chance to be able to bolt on some sales. Um, it's also a, a chance maybe to uh, diversify into another market, to be able to acquire some plants and equipment, maybe to be able to acquire sales, of course, to be able to um, increase their sales capacity and also to be able to uh, bolt on some uh, plants and equipment. So it's a good opportunity to go and it's it's very hard in a shrinking market, as many of the markets are at the moment, to uh, be able to grow organically. Okay, so um, I'm a print business owner. I'm thinking about acquiring a business for one of the reasons you said, get some new customers, some new plant, enter a new market. And what sort of business should I be thinking of acquiring? Because the ones you mentioned, some of those businesses may be in trouble, some may be going well. Uh, some maybe different markets. What's the what are the kind of parameters I should be looking at when I'm looking to acquire? Yeah, look, I, I think the first thing is um, if you need to make a uh, call about what sort of business that you would like to acquire. So, one of the choices that you've got is you can either buy more of the same sort of business. So, if you're an A2 business, you might want to buy another A2 printer to be able to increase uh, the plant 
utilisation that you've got. So that's one option. But other options allow you to get into different uh, types of market. For example, you might want to get into the wide format market and you might not have the skill set at the moment to get into that, nor may you uh, not have, um, you know, the staff, you know, as well. So it's a, a good way to be able to not only increase the type of sales you've got now, but to be able to diversify into other markets. So really, to, you need to work out your own strategy, first of all. Do you just want, if you've got an A2 press, as you, the one you talked about there, that's only operating for four or five hours a day, you buy a rival printer and you could double that time or treble it. Uh, or you could go to a whole new market like, like wide format. How do you approach the acquisition project, Richard? Look, there's, there's um, probably, you know, the first call that you've got to make is if um, you haven't been down the track before, you're probably best to be able to speak to somebody about how to go about it. But but basically the, the, the uh, short version is that, that you need to be able to have a brief of the type of business that you'd like and have a, um, have a reason to be able to buy that sort of business. Um, and then after the, the uh, brief, you need to be able to set out um, a target list um, of the type of businesses that meet that uh, uh, criteria of your brief. Um, and then from uh, there, it's a matter of being able to find out a way to best approach that business and to be able to um, be able to put a proposition to them about why they might consider selling. And, and what are some of the do's and don'ts that I should be bearing in mind as I, as a print business owner, walk down the pathway of acquisition? Yeah, look, um, I, I think probably number one is that you've got to have the right sort of business to start off with. It's no use having a business that's failing and trying to build that into a successful business. You've got to have something with the solid foundations, if you like, that you can build on. Um, so that's the first thing. Are you talking about your own business there or the business that you're buying? No, I'm talking about your own um, your own business because if you've got a business that's um, not, a, not set up to be able to acquire another business, well, it's not going to do it very well. Um, so you've got to have a sound reason to be able to do that. The other thing is that I think you've got to have the right team to be able to be in place to be able to start that process. So you need to have, um, you know, you need to have your finances in place, for example. You need to have a lawyer in place. Um, you might need to hire a sales agent like myself to be able to help you with the acquisition. Um, I think the other thing is that you've got to be very mindful about what the other person's personal situations like. It's no good being able to bang on a uh, door and be able to say, look, I'm keen to buy your business at XYZ dollars. You've got to get to know the other person as, and to get, their, get to know their motivations, if you like, about what's in it for them to be able to sell and what value you can add to them in uh, the acquisition process. And do you, if I'm looking to buy a business, it, it, am I just going through a brokers like you or am I just knocking on the guy in the next door industrial estate saying, hey, you've got a similar business to me? How about, you know, I buy you? Yeah, look, there's, there's uh, two ways that you can do it. You, you, you can either do it yourself, but a lot of the benefits in going through somebody like 
myself is that I've done a lot of appraisals in the past. So when I actually put a value to somebody, when I actually appraise a business, having the background of appraising a lot of businesses, it means that I've got a little bit of credibility. Whereas somebody who's a business owner that comes along and tries to um, sell themselves and try to shortchange the other person doesn't have that sort of credibility. Um, and I think they take more notice, if you like, of people that have been doing it for a long time. There seems to be a bit of a um, a little bit of a barrier from time to time when you're banging on a on the door of a competitor, for example, who you've been up against in you know the marketplace for many many years. It's sort of hard to be able to bang on their door and say, "Hey, look, I'm here. I'm sort of keen to buy you," type thing. I imagine it would be, yes. Well, we'll come on to valuation in a minute. Um, but first, uh, let's discuss the issue of the, the cultures because any business buying another business, they are bringing in the culture of that business into their own business. And it, and it is always a different culture uh, because it is. And that's often seemed to be the biggest issue, isn't it? How do you marry, merge, mesh the two cultures together? How, what would you say the best ways of approaching that? Well, yeah, look, I, I think that that's probably the most overlooked part of it. Most people tend to focus on just getting the deal done. You know, this is the deal, um, this is the price that we've, um, you know, just agreed to. And then they don't pay enough attention to the actual getting the deal done post the deal, if you like, being able to get the cultures to align. And I can remember years and years ago speaking to um, Harry Commons, um, Harry Commons, for the people that don't know, used to be one of the directors of um, a packaging firm down here in Melbourne called Colourpack. And they made quite a few different uh, types of acquisitions. And I sort of asked him about it and he said, look, you know, getting the deal done is the easy bit, but actually getting the people to work together and the culture right, um, that's really the hard part. You know, the, the work really starts once the deal's done. Um, because you've got different staff issues, they're used to working in a different way, they're in a new sort of environment. Um, so a lot of time has got to be put into that. And if you're not prepared to put in that time, quite frankly, you shouldn't really be looking at being able to acquire businesses. Yeah, I guess even the simple things, the working hours, the, the tea breaks, the smokos, you know, bringing two, two staff into one building, the de- you know, you've got to really give it some thought, haven't you? What's your view on uh, maintaining or not the brand of the business? So you buy a business blogs print down the road, your, 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 your Jack Smith print, should you maintain the brand or should you just enhance your own brand? Look, I, I, I think probably nine out of ten times I'd say that you should keep the brand. And the reason for that is that part of what you're buying is you're actually buying the client list. What you want to do is you want to make sure that everything you do is aimed towards trying to retain that client list and keep them buying from you, if you like. So you don't want to rock the boat with uh, them. And one of the things that you can do by doing that is is by being able to change the name. So, you know, instead of going into the marketplace and say, hey, I've just been bought out by XYZ, it might be better to say that you merge with XYZ um, and that things are going to be um, completely as they were. Uh, you'll still be dealing with me, um, you'll still be dealing with the sales reps, you know, and it's sort of a smoother transition. It's not as big as change as being able to move over from one brand to another brand. 
Yeah, and I guess it makes the customers more sticky, doesn't it, if they're sticking with the same brand? Well, yeah, and, you know, that's uh, part of what you're buying, as I said, is basically the client list, and you want to do everything possible to be able to maintain that client base or even be able to grow the client base. So I've decided I want to grow through acquisition. I've found a business that I like. Um, I've thought about the fact that I need to integrate the people and it's not just a deal. Uh, then, Richard, I guess the big thing is how do I value the business? If I want to acquire a business, obviously I, will, I don't want to pay very much. The person that's selling it wants to get, wants to get the most he possibly can. How are businesses valued? So there are two ways that um, you can value a print business. The first way is on a multiple of profit. And the profit's usually measured by EBITDA. Um, and what you want to do is you want to have a look at um, what the normalised EBITDA is. And by that, I mean you've got to take out things that are of a personal nature. So, for example, you want to have a look at the accounts and say, well, this person is actually drawing out $200,000 and he's paying his wife $200,000, um, that's a lot of money to be able to pay a bookkeeper. So you add back the difference in what the market realities are, um, so what the market rates are. Um, what we're trying to get to is we're trying to get to a normalised profit, which, say, Wayne, you were to buy a uh, print business, what would, it, what would the profitability be when you're sitting in the chair? Yeah? So we take out all the, uh, the personalised items we take out all the um, items that are a once-off. So, for example, if you've done a renovation on the office, that's not going to happen next year. If you've got JobKeeper, um, that's not going to happen next year. So once you get the normalised profit, you put a multiple on that. And the multiple is um, really a function about risk. So it's basically... In the printing industry, generally speaking, the multiples that people are getting are somewhere between around about two and three. So it depends on um, a whole range of factors and things like, um, you know, the client base that you've got. Um, if you've got a good uh, steady client base that's going to be easily transferred. Um, so what you then do is that once you've got the profitability, say, you know, the profitability is 300000 that's after you've made the normalised adjustment and you multiply the business up by two, um, that means that the business value is worth $600,000. So that's the first way that you do it. The second way is quite often um, with printers, especially nowadays, the profit isn't that high. So the profit might be very low um, and it doesn't really matter what you multiply that profit by, you're not going to exceed the value of the assets. So when you sell a business, you sell a business um, including all the plans and equipment unencumbered. So if you've got $300,000 worth of plans and equipment and you've, got, you've only got $50,000 worth of profit um, and you've multiply that by two, that only equals $100,000 when you can go out in the marketplace and you can sell your plant equipment for maybe two or $300,000. So the second method is the, is the sum of the value of the assets. And the assets that I'm talking about here is the goodwill, which is basically the client base, and the sum of the plant and equipment, which is the market value of the plant and equipment. The goodwill, that's the, that's the 
kind of key thing, isn't it? That's the key variable that I guess you have to decide. Yeah, well, it's say um, when are you actually compare the two? So, using my example, if you've got a business that's got um, one hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, profits, and you multiply that by two, that equals two hundred thousand as a business value. Uh, but you might have two hundred thousand dollars worth of assets. So then you go to the second method. So, okay, I've got $200,000 worth of assets. What's my goodwill worth? Um, and then usually goodwill is valued on a percentage of annual turnover. And again, that uh, percentage that you use has got to do with the risk about the client base and what sort of client base it is, the type of clients that you've got um, and how easily uh, transferred they have. If uh, you've got one major client, for example, that constitutes 60 or 70% of your client base, well, obviously that's a major risk because if you lose that client, then you basically lose the whole of the good, or well, you, you lose you know, 70% of the goodwill. So um, the uh, goodwill is generally based on percentage of turnover, which is somewhere between 10 and 15% in normal so if you've got a business that's turning over $2 million, um, chances are your your goodwill's worth somewhere between uh, $200,000 and $300,000. And you as a as a prospective buyer, obviously it's incumbent on you to check out for things, red flags, as you just suggested there, one client, 30 40 50% of the work. Business might seem like it's doing really well, but actually it's a high risk, because the, especially if you're commodity printing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the... Major things with regard to a client base that you need to have a look at is you need to have a look at the spread of the client base. So you want a reasonably good mix. You, I don't want them all buying uh, two or three, uh, two or three percent of the turnover. You want them maybe buying ten or fifteen percent at the top end. Um, and then you also want um, the right type of client. So, for example, printers that deal directly with their clients um, are generally more sought after than the ones that deal with print managers and print brokers. And the reason for that is that it's perceived that the print managers and print brokers can buy pretty much from from anywhere. And they're pretty much, some people think that they're may, mainly selling to print managers and print brokers on price. So generally speaking, if you've got a lot of those type of clients in there, the the multiple that you're getting or the percentage of the annual turnover that you're going to get is going to be decreased. So, yeah, there's a number of things to look at. with, And, you know, I'd also say, for example, if you're in the travel industry and, you know, you've, you're probably not going to see that as a very sexy uh, sort of client base to buy at this stage. It might turn back into becoming a good client base. And the same thing if you're in you know, the automotive industry or industries that your customer base where that client base type is starting to get smaller. Yeah, so you've got to make an informed decision on that. And then I guess when it comes to it, the plants and equipment, that's also kind of changed a lot, hasn't it, recently? Because I was thinking back to your day in Heidelberg, if I can use that term. A five-year-old Heidelberg was, was worth as much as a brand new Heidelberg on the open market. Whereas these days, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, if you've got twenty year old equipment, you might not be able to get that much for it. And then you've got to think about leases that you've got with some of the digital equipment. Well, yeah. So on that, I I think basically the values have come off. Um, 
basically the printing equipment values are all based on supply and demand. Um, so if you've got a very old um, press, um, it's not going to be really all that well sought after and the price you're going to get for it isn't going to be all that much. Um, but there are um, – yeah, so it's, it's got to do with the um, type of uh, plant that you've got. But generally speaking, over this period, if you like – um, the plant and equipment values have come down. But you make a really good point with regard to the digital plant and equipment. Um, a lot of that's digital plant and equipment's on a rental basis. And one of the biggest issues at the moment is when you're buying a business is that usually the vendor will want to transfer that lease across to the new owner. And the new owner might have their own kit. So you want to make sure that the bit of digital kit that you've got, that you don't end up having to sell it, especially if it's reasonably early on in the term. If it's only a year or two old, they don't hold their value very well at all. Um, they're hard to sell in the marketplace. So um, one of the things you've got to look out for is you've got to look out a, a, about if the plants and equipment's rented or owned and if you're going to take on a rental you uh, need to be pretty careful about that need to be careful for sure and and if i'm uh, i'm the guy that's or the the person that's doing the selling richard what are the kind of main things i should be doing or can i do to increase the value to improve the value of my business before i come to sell it so if i you i go back to how i actually valued the business um i said that that one of the ways to do that was to increase the profits. So the first thing, of course, is to increase the profits. Um, you can do that in a number of ways, either increase sales, increase margins or decrease expenses. So um, because every dollar that you increase your profit by, when you apply the multiple to that, that's the extra money you get. So it's worthwhile being able to build the profitability as much as you can. Um, the other side of the equation is to be able to build the multiple as much as you can and that's really a function of, of trying to get your client base as good as possible, if you like, and to be able to offer as much assistance as possible in the transfer of that client base because people will pay more for a client base that's more easily transferable and that, as I said, has got a good spread mix of clients. Well, let's look at uh, exit planning. Obviously, most print business owners are traveling on the journey of life. For some of them, their sons and daughters will take over the business. For some of them, they won't, and they'll be looking at exit planning. How uh, can I be building my business to maximize returns? How much do I need? What's the gap going to be? Yeah, I think that there are two sort of parts of it. The, the first part of it that I say to people is that they need to get their business appraised early because a lot of people that I go to and speak to them about the value of the business, they think that it's worth X and I come in and I might say that it's worth half X. Um, <laughs> but that and, makes you popular, right? <laughs> <laughs> which makes me very popular. But um, And it would have been a lot better had those people come to me maybe two or three years before they decided to get out because if they had a realisation about what their business value was two or three years out, then they could do something to change it. Um, they would see how I actually come up with the value that I come up with. Um, and they might 
choose to do different things on the lead up to being able to get out of their business. Um, they might choose to be able to, um, they might even choose to acquire another business. They might choose to be able to not acquire other, other plants and equipment. And it's sort of interesting, it sort of brings me to a point about we focus a lot on the business sales side of it and the business sale price, but that's really only half of the equation because after you get paid out for your business sale, using my example before, if you've got three or $400,000 for your business, um, they're not actually buying the company. So you've got to then factor in what your liabilities are. Um, so your liabilities could include loans on the plant and equipment, staff entitlements, uh, creditors, uh, all things that you owe money for. So you've got to pay all of those out. And on the flip side, you also collect the debtors and you also collect the cash in the bank, etc. So a lot of it's got to do with the timing about when you want to get out. For example, I'd encourage people if they could to get out maybe a year out of when their property lease is about to come up. You don't want to sell your business to somebody and then for them to pick it up and move it to their place and for you to have another four years on your property lease because you are need to make good uh, the property with the landlord and then you've also up for any costs uh, that are incurred um, before the, they can release the property. And the other thing that you might like to consider doing is that you might want to run down the staff entitlements um, because the staff entitlements are, are borne by the vendor at a sale. Um, they're responsible for that. The other thing you might want to consider is that when your equipment rentals come, it's usually better to try and sell the business when the rentals are about to expire because one of the issues, as I said before, is that when you come to sell a business, the, the purchaser might not want to take over the rental. And if you're stuck with another four years of repayments to make as the payout, you might end up with substantial negative equity. So it's a major, major risk, especially with the digital equipment. So, so really what you're saying is people who are running print businesses should be thinking about their exit strategy before they're really thinking about their exit strategy and should be, you know, several years in advance before they think they should be saying, okay, well, I am going to be leaving at some point, 10 years, 15 years, five years in the future, but I need to be thinking about taking steps now to make sure when I get to that point, all my ducks are in a row because you can't kind of reconstitute them when you're there, can you? No, well, it's it's sort of um, quite often the case that I'm actually bought in at the last minute. So uh, you might choose to sell, you know, your firm and, you know, you come to me and say, listen, I'm keen to sell the business. And quite often that happens as a result of some sort of an event. Sadly, a lot of print proprietors um, are of the age where they can get ill, um, so they might need to sell their business and it might not be prepared to, um, to sell at that stage or it might be that their major client leaves and they're forced to sell the business or there might be the major staff members that leaves. So, yeah, you've got to plan for those sort of, yeah, you've got to think about those sort of events um, and it's a lot better to be able to plan out because there's a lot of things that you can do you know, if I was to come along and appraise your business today and you're too 
um, plan to leave in another three or four years. There's a lot of things that you might choose choose to do um, to be able to take more out of the business, to be able to build the profits um, and to be able to bring down the debt that you've got. Because at the end of the day, it's the business value minus the debt that you owe uh, that's going to end up in your back pocket. And, and I guess as in any, everything, knowledge is power, isn't it? And so just knowing things that, that you mentioned earlier about uh, staff entitlements you've got five staff who've been there for 20 years they've got a lot of long service leave you may not realize that you have to actually pay that when they, when you sell the business not not the buyer it's a vendor isn't it that has to pay that out yeah no no um and look i i've actually come across a, a lot of firms that have i've uh, come to them and i've said um you know this is the value of your business you realize that you need to pay out the staff entitlements I said, oh, I thought that would be taken on by the purchaser. Well, yes, they can take it on, but if they do take on uh, the staff entitlements, well, then they're going to discount the price by that factor. Um, so um, if you can get the staff entitlements down and, you know, if you have a sales dip now, well, maybe it's time to be able to get them, you know, people down to four days a week or something like that to be able to get the entitlements down because... When you come uh, time to sell, it's um, you know the net price of the business value, if you like, after you pay them out. Okay, Richard. Maybe we can end up having to just a quick crystal ball look into the into the immediate future. We've been through COVID. Hopefully, we're getting to the end of that stage now. The printing industry is uh, in some areas seen severe contraction. Paper import figures down massively. In other areas, you know, if you're a label printer or a toilet roll packaging printer you've you know you've gone gangbusters if i'm thinking of selling my business of exiting would your advice be yeah now is the best time to now is always the best time or would it be well you know maybe we should wait for a little while to the industry to get back up on its feet and then when the opportunities are great and then sell it like is it is timing an issue or should you just if you want to sell sell when you're going to sell yeah no look i think it's it sort of depends on oh yeah i think you alluded to this in in as much as that there's um, a number of different sectors in, you know, the printing industry and some of them are doing pretty well. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, the packaging and the labels. They actually did pretty well at the start of COVID when, um, mm. you know, stuff was still happening, yeah. uh, <laughs> being uh, dragged off the supermarket shelves. But um, if you're in the offset digital area, which is the biggest area as far as, you know, the number of establishments go, um, just as you said, um, you know, in FY21, uh, paper imports were down 27%. Now, I don't think that that's going um, to stay at uh, 27% yearly reduction. But if I, you said at the start of COVID that the pie was 100% big and after you've got the 27% uh, decrease, what's going to happen in the next year or so? Well, um, it might stabilise it. 75% of what it was pre-COVID levels that might go up a little bit. But I don't think it's going to ever get back to the pre-COVID levels with regard to that particular segment, you know, of the marketplace. So you've got to have a look at it and say, what are the trends? What's happened over COVID to my business? Have a look at the monthly sales, compare uh, December uh, last year to uh, the year uh, year before, etc., and have a look at what the trends are, and have a look at what you can re you can 
realistically do to be able to improve the value of the business. And in a shrinking market, it's very hard. It's very hard to grow sales because you've got to get them from somewhere. So, you know, it might be that now is the best time to sell. It might be, um, you know, if the trends are continuing down, um, that now is the best time to sell. Or if you think that things are going to get better, that your profit's going to increase, then maybe you should have a look at maybe not doing it now. You know, you might think that it's better in a new year, but you're still faced with the fact that half of the equation is what the value of the plants and equipment's going to be, and you're probably the plants and equipment's definitely going to be worth less next year than it is now. That's that's the that's the dilemma, isn't it? The longer you keep it, the less your equipment is worth. Yeah, and I I think that people, you know, even if you're not making money at the moment, you know, your client list is worth a lot of money to people because if their sales are down, they're keen to be able to grow their client base. And they're not really interested in if you're making a profit, they're more interested in your gross profit. Because once you, you know, if you were to buy a uh, printing business that's turning over $3 million, it's a gross profit of 60%. And you say, well, I'm going to keep two thirds of those. That's $1.2 $1.2 million worth of gross profit that you can bolt on to your business. Yeah, and I guess if it's, if that profit isn't actually costing you anything because you're already paying for your rent, you're already paying for your yeah. staff, you're already paying for your equipment, then then you can see why it's a good deal. Well, Richard, maybe that's a, maybe that's a good point to end on. We like talking about profit, increasing profits. Absolutely. I just want to say uh, thanks so much for coming on to the Print Files talking about acquisitions, about business valuations, about exit planning. Uh, It's been terrific to have you and uh, most illuminating for uh, print businesses around Australia and New Zealand. Thanks very much for having me, Juan. It's been a pleasure. Um, Of course, uh, you can all contact Richard for further details. I'm sure he'd be happy to help you to give an assessment of your business. Richard at ascentpartners.com.au or you can Google it if you uh, missed that, Richard at ascentpartners.com.au. But for now, this is Wayne Robinson, editor of Print21 uh, and of the Print Files, the industry's podcast, saying goodbye for now, and we'll see you next time for our next episode in the Smarter Business series on the Print21 Print Files podcast. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.